Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me like always, well, somebody's always here and Jill's here in the studio. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. And look who we finally found. Well, look what the cat dragged in. Rick is with us today. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. <laughs> You've been all over the world. We haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, I've been everywhere. <laughs> and now I'm in, tonight I mean, I was in Crumbie, Alberta, just about uh, 45 minutes northwest of uh, Red Deer. Red Deer, okay. What are you doing out there? Uh, I've been following the last three days. Uh, the uh, My grandson playing with Wenatchee Wild, who's playing in Calgary, against Calgary Hitman. Last night he played against the Red Deer Rebels, and tonight they play against the Edmonton World Kings. Right on. Cool. Well, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here. Um, hey, if you're listening right now, this is a perfect time. We are live. one 332 8255 is the number you call to join the conversation. You can text us, you can call us, uh, and all that stuff, and join in and have some fun with us. Uh, if you heard in the weather recently, this let's just start with this, because yes. it's going to be a little bit extreme. Um you know, uh, Regina, southern parts, not quite so bad. The northern parts, central and northern parts of the province, expected to get some pretty intense weather coming through here, sort of between Saskatoon up to ooh, about uh, just north of Prince Albert, sort of Canada Lake area through there. So kind of a, uh, what do they call it, an Alberta clipper running through here pretty soon. And that's going to mean... In, in short, uh, some pretty intense weather with high winds, lots of snowfall. So we have yeah. winter storm warnings in those places. And I, it looks like from, from what I saw when I looked at the forecast that it's going to be a lot of snow in a short period of time, um, most likely tomorrow. So, yeah, we will be ready for that. And then it goes down really, really cold this week. Yeah. Minus 28 as a, as a low. And then almost two days later, it's plus four again and then back down again at nighttime. So this is the time when it's really hard on your plants when we're getting these really cold spells and then it's going back warm again and then we get cold again and then back warm again. So with this snowfall that we're getting, it's a good thing we're getting it before this, uh, this this deep freeze so it can insulate our plants a little bit more and if you have some areas where the snow is going to blow off maybe just take a shovel and throw it on some of those plants too yeah that's right we're <laughs> it is quite the yo-yo minus 29 minus 27 in saskatoon coming up monday and tuesday night by thursday it's plus six it's crazy like yep. and, it, and it goes like that for about two weeks when i was looking at the forecast too it's up and down and up and up and down, down up and down up and down yeah mm-hmm. exactly yep. so yeah, tonight the game starts at four o'clock and from Edmonton, and then we're going to see if we can race the storm home. Oh boy, <laughs> you you will be racing it. No kidding, because it's supposed yeah. to start snowing around here about four o'clock, and that's yeah. sort of that Highway 16 corridor where this is all running through. So, all we're saying is yes, take care of the plants, and also take care of yourself, right? Yes, so if you've be got safe out there. you got travel plans, maybe like Rick. Good good news for Rick is he doesn't got to work tomorrow, so uh, he can just <laughs> he can just take another day off, right? Rick, when you're yeah. retired, another yeah. day off doesn't really matter, right? Might have to stop in Lloyd Minister. <laughs> exactly. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now we wanted to take a, a kind of today to do something special. We haven't done this before, but um, Rick, you've well, you're pretty much done, I think, right? But you've over the last what four years ish have built uh, a cabin at the lake, kind of an acreage style place, right? Yes. So what we wanted to do was kind of go through all the steps of what's involved in that. And we're not talking quite so much about, you know, which uh, 2x4 gets screwed to which 2x6, but we're talking more about what you do with preparing the whole lot, the whole area. So we want to kind of walk through those steps over the next couple of segments. And when you have uh, texts or questions, we'll also stop down and, and talk about that. But let's let's start with this, Rick. You know, when you guys 
let's go right back to the beginning. Uh, 2019. Yeah, you you'd found this lot at Blackstrap or overlooking Blackstrap Lake. What what was it, what made you pick that lot? Um, mainly because uh, I was looking for a spot that um, uh, that had good drainage and uh, and had a good good building site, right, so that I could. I could not have water problems and those kind of things later on down the road. That was the number one thing that I was looking for. Well, and it's got an amazing view. Uh, maybe someday we'll get to see pictures of the place, but basically it looks yeah. out over the lake. But was was drainage sort of the number one thing? Because it is on a, a on a, a slope, right? It heads, it's on a, a lot that basically is sloped down towards the lake, right? Yeah, because I was looking for also for, you know, wind. I mean... <laughs> Out in Blackstrap, there's not much trees around, so there's. Uh, I found a spot that's down lower than the rest of the land is around, and so um, most people were afraid of that because of uh, you know get your driveways going down down a hill down into your spot, and I wasn't really afraid of that. And but that made me get out of the wind a bit, and um, it's quite quite even. My neighbors are quite a bit higher, and uh, they they're up in the wind, but I'm down lower. So I looked for that, and I looked for good drainage, and I had good drainage there, and uh, and uh, the, the 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 soil wasn't that great there, but I knew I could I could amend that and get that fixed up. But otherwise, and the view was the big one, and uh, so there's a great view from where we are as well. Now, uh, Dad, I was out at your neighbor's house taking your spot playing bunco the other night, and we were talking about your your lot and even the way you positioned uh, the the yard and the wind was a big factor. They they even said they notice a big difference, even the direction that you pointed the house, so that the the wind is just like not blowing right onto that back deck is kind of on an angle a bit, and uh, how you did put it lower and how they're kind of like, hmm, we wish we did that too. So yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I think those are considerations that not everybody takes into account these days. But I think, like, I've talked with people who have grown up in, in really old antique houses, you know, on the prairies. And taking that wind into consideration was a big factor. And even where the windows were in the house, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, we don't, we've sort of forgotten those things. But, uh, but, you know, back in the day, if I call it, you know, that in quotations, but back in the, in the teens and the twenties, you know, building a, a farmyard, you picked where it was because of the drainage, because of where the wind was, and then even where the windows were that you could open them in the summer and let the breeze go through the house right so yeah. that was those are all things we've kind of in some cases forgotten about but it's it's important considerations so then when the deed was all done when you had the you know the, the you were at the lawyer signed the documents and all that stuff what were the first steps you know preparing the place oh just building a driveway for me it was building my driveway and that kind of stuff first and uh so i can get access into the property because it was a pretty steep um you know, incline, like there's almost like a little bit of a cliff where I was coming through with my driveway. So, uh, but you know, those are things you can overcome. So I had a, I had a, in the front, I sort of had a, a, a drainage ditch that was coming through the front of my property. And, uh, and so I, I put a culvert in and, and then I had to get, there's a whole bunch in my area, there's a whole bunch of big boulders. So I used a bunch of big boulders to raise things up. And so I ended up raising my driveway up in one area, probably around, oh, about 16 feet or so. so. 16 feet, wow. And, and he was hauling rocks over. for a while. <laughs> Holy. I was hauling rocks and, and moving dirt, and so I used all the dirt from, be able to use the dirt from the basement and everything else for that as well. And so uh, it just, a lot of things were planned, but it worked out really well, and uh, and I was able to be able to keep the natural flow of, of drainage going past my property and, uh, and, uh, and make the landscape work for it as well. Okay. All right. Um, and then, so that was the, the getting it in. 
let's say, you know, we move to getting the house built. That's kind of a, a contractor thing. I know you were kind of your own contractor for a lot of this, Rick, but uh, for a yep. lot of people, they'll be, be hiring somebody as a contractor, building an acreage, that sort of thing. You know, what, what were the other things you had to do around the yard as the house was getting built or even when the, when the, when the building was sort of finished, yeah, you were on the did, landscaping? When did you start thinking about putting the trees in? Was it before they even dug ground yeah. or did you put that in before? Um, like a oh, lot of yeah. people will even take possession of their property like a year before they start building. Should they start thinking about putting trees in that early? Yeah, I started putting some some little pine trees in that in even before we started digging the basement. So uh, we were hauling water out every time we went out to the house. We'd haul water with us to go water the plants. And because uh, one thing I always tell people when we're talking about acreages or even houses or anything out, you know, in the city or anything, is uh, get your trees planted first because they take the longest to grow. And uh, and especially if you're looking at acres, I I I even myself I'm I'm looking I want a view. Okay, so that's great. But, you know, in, in dealing with consulting with acreages a lot, I, I always tell people, okay, well, you love the view today because you're, it's new. <laughs> but then after a while, you just want to keep the barbecue on the deck. <laughs> Stop the wind. <laughs> Without the wind blowing it off, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's true. And it's true. That's the exact comment I get from a lot of people. And, I mean, I remember we had, Jill, you remember we had the lake up at uh, McPhee Lake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, we had a, just a, it, we're right in the middle of the forest, right? So we just had a narrow view out and we could see the lake. And it wasn't, it was still lovely with all the great big trees around, right? At the end, yeah. when the trees are all growing. And uh, so I tell people, plant some small, even small trees so that in five or ten years, you've got, you got still have a view, but you cut your view, some of you down, but you've created an area in your yard where you can actually get out and enjoy the yard and not be, you know, affected by the wind so much. Uh, okay, so Rick, we've got a call we're going to get to here first before we keep talking about uh, acreage development. And one of our regulars, I believe, is Paul, and he's here with us. Hi, Paul, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this segment. You guys are talking about acreage. So, you know, it's very exciting. Oh, thanks. That's great. Appreciate, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll appreciate give uh, kudos to Jill for coming up with that one. So, um, very good. Thanks, Jill. You You're got welcome. you got uh, some some raised beds that you want to fix up, right? Well, yeah. You know, I've been running these raised beds for you know five six years, and now the the soil is starting to take on more of a sandy consistency. Now, I'm looking at putting in peat moss, you know, to build build it up. But I'm also wondering, because it's used all the time, It's I add leaves every year. I'm just wondering, can I put groundskeeper in there? Is, is that a good one? Or should I just stay with the kelp and the, uh, the, um, the other fertilizers that I'm using? What do you think, Rick? Groundskeeper would be would be fine because one it, one thing you watch for is check your pH of your soil, okay? Uh, because groundskeeper has a sulfur in it, right? It has a seventeen sulfur in it. So mm-hmm. if you're finding that your your groundskeeper will work if your soil is um, you know at a at a pH of you know higher than seven point four, let's say. But if you're down, if your pH of your soil is already at seven. You want to be careful adding too much groundskeeper because then you're going to lower your pH too much, and then you're going to have issues as well. Okay, yeah. so it all depends on your on your soil pH. So that's number one you need to check. So other than that, the one thing you want to do is you want to add groundskeeper. You still want to add your kelp and everything else because groundskeeper doesn't have all the micronutrients in it. And what's yeah. for vegetables for your taste and and for your health of of, of you know to 
to protect against a lot of diseases and that you need all your things like calcium, you know, all your different magnesium and boron and everything else. So other pellets, I add that and then, you know, the liquid I add that. But is, see, that's, is, where, uh, that's where you'll that's that's where you'll gain is with alfalfa pellets is be awesome. It's perfect for that. Okay. But to build up the, the like am I going the right way with the additives to the soil? Absolutely. One one you might be. I've been doing a little bit more looking into that quite a bit. Is is putting some humic in, and humic will make it so that you won't have to water quite as much, and also have make little spaces for all these microbes which take all your nutrients that you're putting in and feed them to the plants quicker. So the so think about even adding a little bit of humic into your garden, and that will help a lot as well. Humic as in leaves, like I have a ton of leaves that I've yep. got in a big fenced-in area that I yep. always add yep. in there in the spring and, and let that as soon as the ground is, is, is enough where you can dig into it. I just fill it full of leaves, too. Yep. Yeah, that would work, or you can get a humic, and in, in there's a lot of, uh, like, a, like a... Like there's a liquid, there's a liquid humic, and there's actually a, a powder form in humic. There's all different types, and a lot of them will help to double, you know, break up that soil so that even your sandier soil will actually once it once the sandier particles, you'll probably notice that your if it's getting more sandier, you're going to find your your raised garden is getting harder. You know, the soil getting harder. So having all those things in them, like what you're doing, will help keep it so it won't get hard on you, and your your plants will grow way better. So you guys have humic there at, at your yep. store? Yep. Yep. Most oh. garden centers now have humic. It's becoming a bigger thing. Even the farm community is starting to use out in the fields uh, a lot of humic as well. Yeah, well, I, I'm becoming a, a fan of yours. You know, you put so much time and effort into this show. I'm supporting you guys at the store, too. Oh, that's great to hear, really Paul. I appreciate what you guys do for us. It's awesome. Thanks very much for your call today. Keep them coming, of course, okay? Have a great day. You Bye. too. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to go to our text line right now. We got one for Jill, I think. Here, good morning. This is Angela from Good Eve. I received two heart Hoya leaves for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. They are in tiny little pots. Can I transplant them into one bigger pot? And what kind of soil should I use? So, do we go two plants into one pot or not? I would leave them. Um, the Hoya plants. What you're basically doing is they're propagating a leaf right now off of a off of a Hoya plant. Is okay. what they're doing. And yep. that's how you're getting that heart shape. So that's only a single leaf that's being propagated and there's roots being set into it. Um, it is a little bit more of a succulent plant. So if you do want to transplant into a bigger pot, I would not go any bigger than one inch in diameter. You could put the other one in that pot as well with it in a, like a three inch pot or a four inch pot. Use a succulent cactus mix when you're putting your soil in. It just has a little bit more sand and perlite in it, which will give it more drainage. Um, so that's what you want to do with that one. Really watch your watering, especially if you're bumping it up into a larger size um, because uh, more soil means more water, and that one there likes to dry out between waterings. Okay. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is from Donnie, who's in Weyburn. Why is the price of apple trees so high, and where can I get one at a good price? What is a good price? That's a good question, of course, I guess. Have you seen well, apple trees going up in price at all, Rick? Uh, I've seen a lot of plants going up in price because of this, the, the cost of, of inputs now into 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 um, into nurseries now. So you're going to see that a lot, um, just like you're seeing other things that are, that aren't horticulture yeah. related going up in price. And 
so um, the the thing is that most of the garden centers uh, that you'll see, you know, it takes it it takes you know over two years to to grow a tree into a size that you need, right? And plus, uh, uh, in is if you want something that's a little expensive, then what you have to do is you have to be willing to wait a bit longer. You can buy a smaller plant. And you can get a smaller plant that's, you know, just basically, a, you know, like a year old. And then it's only going to be like three feet tall, but you're not going to get a f- production, you know, and a uh, fruit production for like, you know, maybe four or five years down the road. Right. Uh, I mean, that's some of the... I was going to say, let's face it, let's face it, we're all into instant gratification, right? So, uh, you know, like selling a tree that will produce apples within a, a year or two is kind of what the industry is set up for because people don't necessarily want to plant a tree have to wait four years to get yeah, apples. And then you're looking at spending around 80 to about $200 on a tree, depending on the size, if I'm correct, Rick, on those apple trees, correct? Yeah, most most apple trees are selling for, you know, they're basically a two- to three-year-old tree. Uh, Jay, you probably even remember when you worked in there, you used to yep. be able to pick apples off the trees right in the pots already. I didn't have, to bring, didn't have to bring lunch to work, just ate apples all day. Now, yeah. Rick, it's harder to find those smaller trees. where If you were looking for a smaller tree where would you go to look for one of those most of the time you're going to look for the smaller trees you're going to look at uh, some of the garden centers some of the some of the smaller garden centers might have them and also some of the mail order places like TNT seeds and that kind of stuff okay, okay. Uh, out of Winnipeg, and they might have the smaller apples, but like I said, uh, uh, then you, you, they're going to be, um, you'll, you'll come, they'll be only available most of the time in the spring because they come in a little bag with soil around the roots. Yep. Because that's how they'll ship them, right? And um, so that's the biggest way, but um, you'll find that in some of the bigger garden centers, uh, because you don't get very many people asking for the smaller trees, and because, yeah. like you, you just said, the reason why is because everybody wants an apple tree to grow, you know, yeah. to, to serve a purpose quicker. And they want to they want to make that apple pie yesterday, not tomorrow. Uh, Rick is here with us, who's on the phone. Rick, we got a couple questions that are coming on our text line. We're going to go to this first, and then we're going to talk about uh, building an acreage in a second. This is from Irene, who's in Martinsville, says, Good morning. Is it beneficial for gardens to put, or gardeners, to put copper pipe in their garden, so like caught up copper pipe pieces in the soil. I heard it helps the soil. I've never heard of that. Hmm. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, it, it, it may help, but I mean, if you're better off to, to put some of the other micronutrients into your soil, you'll get way faster, <laughs> way faster effects of it than putting some people like even putting nails and different things in there with the plants and that kind of stuff. It's going to remember the soil has to break down those things, and all the microbes have to break it down and make it available to the plants. It's and so, okay, um, doing those kind of things, it, it's a long-term effect. You're not going to have something that's going to help you in the immediate, like in that in that gardening season. Right. It's I guess it's sort of along the lines of same thing with crushing up a, a bunch of eggshells. Your idea is to put calcium back in, and it will eventually put some calcium back in yeah. when they break down. But it'll take it'll take a long time versus just picking up some calcium yeah. fertilizer that's got it in and it's instant, you know, adding that to the soil, right? Yeah, one thing makes about putting eggshells in, you're putting them in year after year after year all the time, right? So right. you're, you know, over time you, you've got your built up of calcium that way. But if you've got a, a, a deficit of calcium, then you know, it, it just takes too long to get some impact for the plants that need it right away. So then you'll need to add some other, other, you know, some some micronutrients, some structural calcium, even a liquid calcium, so that the plants can uptake it immediately and actually get some effect for that growing season. 
So, I mean, in this case, with, with Irene's text, for, at the, cop, uh, the, the price of copper these days, like... For the, go sell that and then buy some good Exactly. Calcium. Yeah, go sell that. <laughs> if you've got leftover old copper, you know, recycle it. You'll get lots of money for it. Buy some proper fertilizer because it's going to be minimal effects over a very, very long time, basically. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a good one. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So we kind of touched uh, at we started the show talking about the steps to go ahead and build an acreage, right? Rick has done it over the past four or five years ish, um, putting a, a cabin together, an acreage style cabin uh, at uh, Blackstrap Lake. Now we kind of talked about you know setting up trees, and I have some have had some friends who have done the same thing. They bought a piece of land, and before even the construction started, they actually were planting trees, but the most important part with that, Rick, is when you're planting the trees, they need water. So it's not just the, the rain from the, the skies. It's not just the melting snow. You, it, you have to have some sort of system set up. And, and if you remember when Rick says whenever they'd go out and visit the property, they'd bring the truck there too. Well, that wasn't whenever they would just go visit it like once a month. Like they would go visit the property often and it was a big dump watering trucks that they would bring out there. So Yeah, like multiple times a week. Multiple times a week they'd go fill it up and then they'd bring it out there. So maybe Rick, can you touch on a little bit about how often you were heading out there with the truck and how much water you were putting on them when you started planting them before you had irrigation set up? Yeah, because one thing I did is I made sure I also you know, mulched around each one of them so I could hold any kind of moisture in. And that was important too. Um, and so I we were I was watering those trees when it was hot. Uh, just about every second or third day. So, um, um, especially when they were still my smaller seedlings. So, um, you know, my little pine trees that were only, you know, a couple feet high. So we were watering quite often just to, just to make sure that they had a good take and, uh, because it was hot. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. We've had, a, we've had a drought the past few years. So, um, so making sure that you have a good water supply. Also making sure that, you know, water is important too. I mean, Checking your water, you know, your water supply, like you're going to put a well in or you're going to be on city water. Those are all things you got to think about because city water, uh, it's a lot of people that I've consulted with over the past quite a few years. Have, I've told them, well, you've got a problem, you need to start watering your trees more. And, and then they started watering the trees and they pulled back. So, well, how long do I need to do this for? Because my bill is becoming around, you know, anywhere from two to four hundred dollars a month just for water, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, if they have city water, if they're on a city water system or you know, a, you know, municipal water system, it gets expensive when it's out in the rural area. So, uh, so sometimes thinking about, well, in the long term, maybe a well is 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 cheaper, but then you have to make sure, okay, is that well water good water, right, or is it high in iron content? And then higher iron content, the problem with that for is you start setting up, you know, let's say sprinklers, then you don't want sprinklers to hit the side of your house because you're going to get that orange look on the side of your house yeah, right? yeah. with the iron on your house. So you got to think about that. So, And um, I know for you, you guys even went as far as, I think you guys even tied into like a local farmer for a little bit before you guys got the pump going and getting the pump maybe drawing a little bit from the lake as well too, right? So yeah, as a community... Yeah, we were lucky because there was, uh, you know, just in the in the town of Shields, which is not very far away, uh, I had a, you know, 500-gallon tank we put on a trailer, and then I'd go fill up with the local place where, you know, a lot of the local people fill up with water, right? So we had water, which which was used, a lot of people, the farmers were going into using for their cattle and, and for sprayers and all that kind of stuff. So we were able to go to a spot where we can get water into a tank. And then, you know, it only, it didn't cost that much. It only cost a couple of dollars to fill up a, you know, a big tank of water and then we hauled. But I mean, 
you got to be careful about that too because um uh, then you got to have you know two people usually one person driving the vehicle one person watering in behind and uh um, uh, that could be fun too because yeah. if you do it with your wife, and then you're going to be, it's going to be, you're going to hear a lot of yelling and stop, go forward, stop, go forward. All right, yeah. <laughs> this was a this was a test. How many years have you been married to mom, dad? I think. Well, you've been married forty forty two years. You've been married to mom now, and um, the the interesting conversations <laughs> around building houses and landscaping and everything like that that come. My, my goodness. You have patience for mom, and mom has patience for you. <laughs> Kyle, she has, bigger, she has bigger patience for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like going camping, you know, when you're backing the camper in, and one of them is helping the other. If your marriage can survive backing the camper into the camp spot, you're doing okay. I always laugh, too, because I'm always like, okay, wh- what's going on? Is dad out in the skid steer digging holes for trees again? Because he just wants his space alone. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Hey, let's take, let's take a pause on that conversation. Uh, before we go to our break, we're going to sneak in one call. We've got uh, Russ, who's in Rose Valley right now, and he wants to talk about praying mantis. Hi there, Russ. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. So what's your question for us? Okay. Um, you you sell praying mantis at, at your store? Yeah, we do. We sell the praying mantis, uh, the, the eggs, I guess it would be. So you can buy them. They usually come in a few eggs in a little cage, and then you would put them out in, uh, keep them at home, kind of in a dormant area, almost like a fridge. And then you would put them out in, in about June when the weather's a little bit warmer. And uh, then they'll hatch within a couple, within about a week or so. Okay. And, uh, of course, you buy them every year? Yeah, you would buy those every year. They're they're not hardy to Saskatchewan, as if we're talking oh, about. Okay. Um, what about can I, maybe I should uh, build them a mansion? You could try building a mansion. <laughs> My kids, I think I've told this story on the air before, but they accidentally left the container open <laughs> in my house, and oh, nice. they hatched in my house. And I came back um, from wor- from work one day, and my ceiling looked like someone had turned a blender on and like speckled it. And I looked up at the ceiling, and I was like, "What is that?" And I was about to get mad at the kids because I thought they had maybe been making a smoothie without the lid on it. And I looked up, and I'm like, "Those are bugs!" Oh my gosh! So I told them, I said, "I'm going to the gym, and I want all of those collected <laughs> outside." But there was a couple hundred of them that were just—they all hatched, and they were all on the ceiling of my roof in my kitchen. The trouble is trying to keep trying to keep them over winter is going to be tough because they are hard to find when they get out in the yard. Yeah. They they stick around and they eat what they what what's around and then they keep moving out and moving out further further and further further looking for more food. Yeah, so. and then you'd have to be able to provide them with aphids and all sorts of other bugs throughout the winter season in your home too. Okay. So um all right. But they're not that expensive. You're looking at around $30 for a, a couple hundred praying mantis. And they're okay, kind of a fun project, too. How big do they get? Um, in, in the season, they're, they're pretty small. I would say like maybe about an inch or, inch or so um, big. So that would be the, the maximum size. They're very, very tiny when, they're, when they hatch. Okay. No, I, I was kind of... Kind of wondering because I've seen them in the tropics, so I know mm-hmm. how big they can get. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're limited because of the probably the cold yeah. here and just you know less of the food yeah. that they're looking for. Yeah. So. It's really hard to find them once they like later on in the summer when you're looking for them in the yard. My kids have even gone searching for them in the yard, and they're doing their job, but they're they're hard to find. Probably in the leaves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks okay. for your call, Russ. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> 
Okay, so this is uh, Jamie, who is in Watson. We're going to continue this apple tree conversation. Uh, so what Jamie says is, good morning, I've got a question about apple trees. I planted a prairie sensation about three years ago. I got about nine apples the second year and nothing last year. First question, what can I do going forward this spring to ensure apples this year? I did water and fertilize with fruit and fruit and berry. Second question is, I'd like to plant another one. Does it have to be the same kind or should it be? Uh, or is planting a different type of, a good idea? What do you recommend? Yeah, the, the biggest one is, is cross-pollinization. Apples need cross-pollinization. So, you know, it depends on the where the bees go, right? So, you know, it depends on the wind during flower production and everything else on which way the bees are going. And so uh, you have to be – I always tell people, if you stand on your deck, as long as you can see another apple tree – you know, it could be even nine yards over, you know, from if you live in the city, uh, then they'll, you, you know, the bees will make it to your tree. But if you can't see another apple tree, then you, some years you're going to have great pollinization because you just happen to be in the path of which way the bee goes from one tree to the next, or you may miss that one. So that's why you want to make sure that there's you have another apple tree in the yard. Um, I always tell people when you're buying an apple tree, never buy if you're going to buy all want the same apple trees, like if you want all prairie sensations or all, you know, honey crisp or whatever you want, don't buy two from the same garden center. Right. Um, that that be at the same time, uh, because what happens then is you could get some some trees that they're all budded, and so they may have been budded from the same uh, bud wood, which would make them basically genetically the same. So you don't get great pollinization. So you better buy two different varieties or buy. Two apple trees, if you want the same, try to get some, at least a few of them from 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 a different garden center. Or if you're buying in a different year, then then your 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 chances of them not being genetically the same is good as well because uh, the, the the different crops would have come in and they would have been different genetics and different plants. So I guess the other thing to consider is it's the bee thing that we have to talk about too, though, right? Because an apple yeah. tree by itself, without any bees around or any any insects to pollinate, even if it lo- was loaded with flowers, and there's another apple tree two two blocks away or or two houses away and it's loaded with flowers if there's no bees around it's really not going to happen right yeah so so the other thing is attracting bees to your yard is an important thing Mm -hmm. to do and you can do that with flowers other things are going to bring them in right oh jay can i put a little plug in here yep uh gardening.usask.ca if you guys head there that's gardening.usask.ca there's lots of free webinars and coming up this next week is one on pollinators um, for your garden so we'll talk about how to track pollinators these are free classes herbs in your garden and basic pruning all happening this week so Sorry, Jay, to interrupt, no, but it's good. there's this little plug for yeah, you good, guys. Good. They're great information. They allow 500 people to go on there. They're about a two-hour session. Um, lots of great information by some experts um, at the U of S. Okay, perfect. Um, along with that, you know, in this talking about this apple tree thing, is we had another person say, you know, I had a lot of difficulty with the $130 apple trees, and they just didn't weren't surviving, but started some seedlings for the last five years. They're now four to five feet tall and doing really well. Mm-hmm. So... It will take longer. What was kind of going back to that conversation somebody earlier had asked, you know, it's expensive to buy apple trees. Why are they expensive? Because we're selling to apple trees that are, are more mature and ready to make apples. Uh, this other texture said that they've started with just a seedling and it's, it's working out well, but it's, of course, a longer process. So that explains that. Uh, one more uh, text we're going to actually talk about right now is from Jeanette, who's just south of Saskatoon. For the Acreage listeners, uh, they picked up Sarah Williams' book, and I'm not, I'm going to butcher this name. Zeroscape? Zeroscape? Zeroscape. Right. X-E-R-I-S-S-Scape. Based, 
basically, uh, is invaluable. Valuable. The best investment we ever made. Mm-hmm. Which grass seeds would you recommend? Which don't require water, pathways, all that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, that book is great. It does go through like a lot of really prairie hardy stuff. How to get stuff that's low maintenance that's going to survive in our tough climate that we have here. That's a, Sarah Williams has a great book there. Right. So that was a good good to go with the acreage stuff that we've been talking about kind of all, all this time here, Rick, right? Yeah, exactly. And that that's very important is, is your water source and everything else and, and how much you're going to water, how much time you have, everything else. Uh, I always tell people to either look at plants that are, that are drought resistant or otherwise put a drip system in because you know what? Uh, going out there with a hose and watering each plant when you plant on an acreage, you've got a lot of them. It, it's, it's almost impossible to keep up with it. You know, so, uh, so thinking about mulching, thinking about different things like that, and uh, and and also or a drip system or anything of like that, making sure that 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 you do that so that you, the, the plants have the best choice chance of surviving. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law in White City have an acreage out, out near Regina, and they did that. They put a well in. Uh, and they have a sensational, beautiful, amazing. It's a very mature yard, but it's been rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. It was kind of let let go for a long time, so they they brought it back to life with the well in place. Now, though, they're able to put it on. It's got its own pump. It's on timers. That yeah. different systems come on by themselves. It's, it's controlled by your phone, and and it doesn't cost them a fortune. It was you know a cost to put it in to start, but now that it's up and running, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And it and the, the water in their case is really good for for what they've got going on. So that if you can believe it, we're pretty much at the end of the show that's it like it's already evaporated and gone but uh next week rick we will continue exactly we'll continue the conversation uh hey don't forget too some wild weather coming throughout uh, saskatchewan saskatoon up to the points north of there throughout today so keep an eye on the weather as well i'm jay with jill and rick thanks for joining us for garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom